0: I've always been fond of compasses. When we've lost our way, they tend to lead us to the place where we're meant to be. Sometimes we end up in a better place. Now, let's consider a career that has historically been a traditional practice for the elite who are credentialed via the best universities and connections to firms who recruit from the best schools. This, of course, is arcane and not sustainable for a myriad of reasons. Lucky for us, our compass has led to a man who instead of dispossessing himself of the institutions where he trained and continues to educate, has decided to engage in his greatest project to date, a renovation, if you will, that is inclusive, sustainable, accessible, global. He has done designing and planning, repair, dealing with broken components, aesthetics, changing the way things look, and replacing components that just don't work. The first one being cost. This project is free and open to anyone. Who is it that wields this compass and leads the way? Daniel Horowitz, along with a global list of educators, students, professionals, and organizations set on working together to help everyone have access to the education and support they need. Welcome, Daniel.
1: Thank you so much, Alicia. That's a great introduction, a uh, very inspiring way of uh, characterizing what I'm doing. So thank you very much. Pleasure to be here.
0: You're welcome. We are happy to have you in the community because you really are the, the definition of connection and the platform you have created is doing it on a global scale in a way that should just mesmerize everybody today when they, when they hear about you. And first off, I want to say that you're recreating the mold and you're not breaking it. This is an important aspect of deeper connection and starting conversations instead of ending them. So this is really something that we stress on, on this podcast, layers of connection. I want to give a little bit of an overview of your, of your background so we all have a, an understanding of it and how it really does sort of shape what you have created here. You're an educator, architect, entrepreneur, a philanthropist, You earned your Master of Architecture and Bachelor of Design um, of the Environment at the University of Pennsylvania. You have a Master's in Architectural Technology and Design, Theory, and Pedagogy at Southern California Institute of Architecture, and you're an alumnus of Venturi Scott Brown. Your teaching experience includes the University of Hartford, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, SCI-Arc, and Pratt Institute, And I I especially get excited about your areas of expertise because I do think they highlight a lot of opportunities within your platform. Uh, Design studio, theory of technology, thesis projects, integrated design, development studios, teaching pedagogy, construction technology, construction management, artificial intelligence applications for architects. So jumping into you. AIF was founded in February of this year, and I have to tell you, I'm amazed at the lightning-fast growth you've had, almost as fast as you can solve a Rubik's Cube.
1: <laughs> yes, I think due to COVID, people have been working from home and are, and are, are used to working remotely now, and also used to connecting on um, new platforms like Zoom in ways that maybe they weren't able to before. So through these two platforms, one, uh, the social media platform of Instagram, and the other is uh, interviewing people and connecting with people on Zoom, we've been able to build quite a robust network of people around the world to join our project in a very short period of time. And I I don't really think that that would have uh, been possible even a couple of years ago.
0: It's true. Zoom seems to be the great equalizer for, for companies and people across the board. And it's, it's clearly not going to go away. Even whenever this situation with COVID ends, we will have that as a new way to communicate. So you're smartly using social media as one of the ways you are connecting and bringing people to AIF. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of our primary missions is uh, educational inclusion and removing barriers to quality education for architects. Most people traditionally find that it's difficult to gain access to elite education for a variety of reasons. Some of them might be financial burdens, geographic burdens, cultural burdens, uh, even physical burdens, perhaps even emotional burdens. And what we were able to do is to create a platform um, that's easily accessible to everyone around the world. It really doesn't matter where you are. Instagram is the perfect medium really for us because architects naturally are very visual people. They're uh, very engaged on Instagram. They tend to curate their own aesthetics. They tend to follow people who have aesthetics that they like. And they tend to naturally gravitate and and form uh, alliances and partnerships with people who think like them. So we found that on Instagram, it was very easy to reach people. And that it seems like the network that is being built on Instagram is a Very open network, and people are very open to being contacted in this very informal way. So most of the people that I've actually co-opted to be my partners are people that I simply just approached on Instagram and and sent them a direct message. Even if they were people I didn't know, they could be people who are quite well-known, quite well-respected, but they were very open to to chatting with me because they themselves are part part of this sort of social network and this social media project, and they see the value of it. You know, I suppose a few years ago it would be very hard. I'd need an introduction to meet people. And on social media, it's, it just seems, at least now, we're in this moment when it's a very open project. And people are very open to meeting, people are very open to collaborating. And when you have a good idea, and I think we do have a good idea, it's, and it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a charitable idea, people want to be part of it. And if they want to be part of a project that they feel is bigger than themselves, This is a fantastic way to connect and it's been incredibly successful for us. Can
0: you give a list of the the most important components of AIF, such as the the access to a free education and some of the other pieces of this?
1: So, I mean, most people in the world who, you know, get involved in the construction industry or the design industry, the architecture industry, they don't go to elite schools they do have a training at all would probably be a technical training and that technical training might be at a community college or a local technical institute that would be near to where they live and that that type of education is is very valuable it might help them get a job but it won't it won't help them to understand the larger cultural project that that constitutes architecture the discipline of architecture it might help them get into the profession of architecture but it won't it won't give them access to the cultural project, the idea that architecture is something that can have an impact on the world, that that people from different communities who are traditionally marginalized can themselves have a bigger impact on their own communities. So that's where we kind of step in and we try to mentor folks and try to engage them in the, in the discourse of architecture as a discipline and also try to help them, give them a foot up. To, to perhaps get into uh, some of these schools. you know today the, most of the elite schools are really in a difficult position. They're looking to be more inclusive. They're looking to empower students. They're looking to shine a light on more marginalized communities, uh, more marginalized stories of what architecture is and can be, but they're limited. They're limited by their own networks. You know most of these schools are pretty elite and their friends are pretty elite. And so they don't know how to reach out and find this diverse group of people, this more diverse slice of the population of, of the world who should have a bigger voice in in deciding how our built environment looks. And what we've found is that by working primarily on social media, the, the, the limitation to access has been essentially eliminated. If you have a cell phone and a cell signal, you can have access to us. And the way that people access us is simply by following us on Instagram and sending us a direct message. So if somebody would like a mentor, and that's primarily how we started. We started as this project to mentor people around the world and to help elevate their thinking, help elevate their careers by having access to people who do have an elite education, who do have successful professional contacts and and projects that they've worked on, uh, and try to put everyone together. And as I said before, we started with a mentoring but we quickly moved into teaching studios. We quickly moved into providing lectures. And what we've also found is that while our first objective was to help students around the world, we found that many professional architects don't have a good social network themselves. And they're quite isolated in their work. And they don't have people to bounce ideas off of because getting into academia itself is very difficult. It's a very clubby institution. If you don't know people in academia, it's very hard to get into, it's hard to teach. But we provide a platform for anyone who wants to come to us and wants to get their feet wet teaching. Or they want to research an idea and they want to find people to help them. We say, hey, what's your idea? We'll help you. We'll put students in touch with you that want to help you with your project. We'll put professors in touch with you who have worked on some of the projects. And so what we found is this network has been just as valuable for the instructors as it has for the students in helping instructors create a community where they can get feedback and where they can also develop their own ideas. And so essentially, we're developing into a school, uh, a free school of architecture that can pivot and can come up with ideas and execute ideas extremely quickly.
0: Getting back to the studio piece of this, because I think this is really one of the greatest building blocks that you all have, is you're actually allowing students to come in with ideas where they might not be able to do that in other institutions sort of bring in their most creative ideas and you pull from this wonderful resource that you have. So maybe those professors, uh, that, that had not been given the opportunity to, or the flexibility to say, Hey, the student has a great idea. Let's put our resources behind it and try to bring it to fruition. I think the one that I really am excited to follow is your Guinea case project. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, well, one of our primary pedagogical points of view is that we think that students themselves come to architecture with a lot of knowledge. They have their own knowledge of who they are, where they come from, their culture, their biases, also a, a keen sense of, of the moment in time in which they, they exist, in which the world exists, and they're very keyed in to some of the political questions and things that, that, that we want to hear about. So the purpose of Architecture's Free Foundation is not to promote ourselves, the faculty, but to encourage students to take sort of a, a curiosity and a kind of taking their own education and their own careers in their own hands and taking ownership of that. And what we encourage them to do is to come to us and, you know, there's no obligation. They're not paying any money. They're not getting a certificate that they're not going to, it's not going to help them to get a license or anything like that. They're coming to us purely because they're eager to learn. And so we back them up. And that's where it's very satisfying. We're putting the spotlight on the students. We're giving them the leadership role. So it's a very self-selecting group. So what we found is the people that have joined us are remarkable people because they understand that learning is a journey that has to be owned by them, that you don't learn by people telling you what to learn or people telling you what to read or telling you how to do a project. And so... This is what I think has been one of the most interesting things about what I've learned from, from this platform is that there are so many people out there eager to learn, eager to give back, eager to be charitable, eager to engage, and that there are a lot of people willing to help them. And so that's how we've set it up. So, for example, you mentioned the Guinea case project. A guy came to us, a remarkable individual named Amadou Kamara. He's from Guinea. He won a visa to the United States. Came here at the age of, uh, I think, 30. Didn't speak a word of English. Was working in a gas station, but had an interest in architecture. Through a variety of contacts, he enrolled in, in a community college. He learned English. He was studying engineering, but then he decided, no, I want to do architecture. Found his way into getting a scholarship at architecture school in Philadelphia, Thomas Jefferson University. And he's now graduating with a bachelor's degree in architecture. Speaks perfect English and has a quite an impressive career ahead of him. He was. He gravitated to what we were doing because he felt that so many people had helped him in his journey, and he wanted to give back as well. He's a young guy. We 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 like to find young people to be mentors because we find people like to be mentored by people that are similar to them. There, there is there is a kind of a intimidation factor still that we find a lot of students uh, are still shy to reach out to us if they feel intimidated. So we have to actually reach out to them on social media to try to encourage them to, to come and get free support from us. What Amadou did is he said, I'd like to do a project in my home country. I'd like to build a school. And what he found was that in back in Guinea, many people don't graduate from high school and they're left out of the economy and there's not much for them to do. And having access to education is very difficult. There's geographic obstacles, financial obstacles, of course. So he came to us with a a research project, and we have quite a few research projects that we sponsor. And this one was quite a compelling project, I thought. And so I reached out to our faculty. We have a faculty right now of about 85 instructors from around the world, and some of them have quite a bit of experience in Africa. We have one guy, Livingston, who who spent six years across Africa putting together a compendium of African architecture. He's provided some content for us, Livingston, and he's uh, on our board of advisors. We also have another architect in in Paris who's done some nonprofit work in Africa. And we have quite a few students who are interested in the subject. So all I had to do was promote his idea on social media, on on Instagram, and ask, hey, does anyone want to help Amadi with this project? And lo and behold, we have several professors, we have several students who have now been working on this for the last five or six months. And we've produced quite a sophisticated amount of content and research, and we hope that uh, we will eventually, after several internal reviews of the work among our own faculty and feedback, we will then promote it uh, to the public and uh, hopefully find someone to support this project and provide the financing. This is the kind of project that we really love because it's also very cross-disciplinary. Uh, it, it involves people who are not architects to make this happen. One of our partners is a is a businessman in Guinea who uh, is a philanthropist and, 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 and gives money to pay for books. And he wants to see this project happen. He's been able to put us in touch with someone who's willing to donate land to build the project. So we already have that. We just need to find people to support the project. And we think that it will happen because we're putting together a very compelling presentation and making a strong argument for building the school.
0: Well, I think the other piece to highlight in this is this idea of sideways thinking and bringing people and groups together that aren't traditionally brought together at this phase in a student's learning, that you do have somebody outside of the standard infrastructure saying, hey, I'm going to engage, and oh, maybe I can fund this. And and I think that, given the fact that students and professors have a very tough time, there are very few jobs out there, and you better have like a great understanding of things outside of architecture, like some of the current technology, whether it's climate or things like that, that give you an edge over somebody else. But when you have a project like this that is defining different areas where people can contribute and work together to make something happen, you actually are giving that student and creator, along with the participants, a way to present to prospective employers. A way to present to that school if they should decide that they want to go to a Harvard or Princeton or something like that or if it's a student mid-career who um, says you know what I'm gonna go back and go back to graduate school and then showing the person that may consider taking the next steps that's why I wanted to focus on this because I think this is a real-life working example of what you are doing to separate yourselves and I also in some of our discussions in the past, I think it's import to, important to point out to everyone that this platform, you know, so many places have, um, educational institutions have embraced distance learning. And COVID certainly pushed the pedal to the metal on that, if you will. And so for you guys, there's a myriad of opportunities for you to collaborate with these organizations and an example of their willingness to step away from their comfort zone and look to someone like you as two pronged. So getting back to you sort of were amazed at the response you got. Uh, Can you talk to us about how you reached out initially and wrote a blind letter to some of these organizations and and what the happy responses back were?
1: One of the projects that we, we worked on that was really successful was putting together a group of videos that were prepared by some of the more elite schools of architecture in the United States. And purpose of those videos was to target our uh, diverse community of students and to help them by giving them the kind of advice that they might not have access to to apply um, uh, as successful applicants to these schools. So to put this uh, video together, I first partnered uh, with ACE Mentor Program of America, which is a very uh, well-established, well-funded mentoring program for high school students mostly in inner cities, mostly minority students, to try to help them get into the construction, architecture, and engineering industry. I reached out to these guys on social media, didn't know anybody, just reached out to them, said, hey, you know, we're doing this mentoring thing. We're trying to help students stay in college. We're trying to help them uh, with their careers. And we think we'd be a good match for you. Within a couple of weeks, I had a Zoom call with all the top brass at this organization. They were very interested in what we were doing and they wanted to um, partner with us. Um, because they saw us as an excellent strategic partner for our long-term mission, which is not just to get people into architecture schools, but to help them stay in architecture schools and have successful careers. Because what they found is that many minority students or marginalized students go to architecture schools and then they drop out. They don't feel like they belong. They don't feel like their point of view is uh, important. They don't feel like they can relate to the cultural content So for whatever reason, we find that we can help those students. So what we did is put this video together. I reached out to top schools with an email. I basically emailed all the deans and I just just explained who I was, what I'm trying to do and would they be willing to participate. And we got an incredible response because I think that everyone today knows that their top priority is to create an environment that's more inclusive that breaks down barriers, um, that they want everybody wants to be more diverse, but they don't know how. And so we were really overjoyed just by the response that we got. We got responses and videos from a number of top schools, including uh, Harvard, Princeton, Penn, UCLA, USC, Michigan, Cooper Union School, and a few others. And once we put that together, I had some of my volunteers help. I, you know, somebody volunteered to edit the videos, We've we got volunteers to help with a variety of production uh, effects that we needed. And then we simply promoted the video on, on our Instagram. And a lot of people have been watching it. We're encouraging people then who say, okay, maybe I can apply to these schools. Uh, maybe it's not so intimidating. But you know what? I need help with my portfolio. Or you know what? I need help editing my essay. And then I say, just come to us. We have a lot of people. We have people who are getting PhDs in Cambridge University. We have people who, who are editors, who peer review journals, who work with us. We have people who have successfully gotten into some of these schools and are currently students there who, who are our instructors too. And then we put together another video, which was an instructional video by successful applicants. And we found that these types of this type of content is very, very valuable. And it's valuable to people who might not necessarily traditionally have access right so it's not just the united states it's all over the world and we found that there's been a lot of interest and a lot of activity and a lot of support from africa for example which i didn't really anticipate or expect but that's the beauty of this this platform is that it's global uh, it's open to everybody and so whatever the whatever we catch in that wide net that we cast we see as valid and we just explore it so we have very few preconceptions about you know what we stand for in terms of content, we just listen. We listen to what people want, what people are looking for, and we have we have their ears and their eyes because they, all they have to do is um, see what we're doing on Instagram and reach out to us. And and we've been and so far we've been very successful at that.
0: So if I wanted to, as spoiler alert, at fifty six, decided, and we can talk about you after this, that I need, I want to take some of these, um, I want to be mentored. I want to, I want to get engaged with, with your organization. Um, I'm allowed to do that, aren't I?
1: Yeah. We're open to anyone who wants to learn. You know, we live in a world now where learning and learning content is easily accessible. And we even find that students who are in elite schools or becoming architects, they're getting a lot of the learning content for free on uh, YouTube. In places like that, and that the technology side of it in terms of digital modeling, uh, digital rendering, students are really learning on their own, and there's a variety of reasons for this. The technology changes very quickly, and it's probably pretty unlikely that your professor who has mastered one technology or another maybe even two, three years ago is on top of what the current technology is, and it's changing so quickly, it's becoming much easier to use, and students are finding that they're having to learn these things on their own. And they're quite comfortable doing it. Millennials are very comfortable learning, uh, self-learning on YouTube and a variety of other platforms.
0: Yeah. But the other piece of this, getting back to when we were talking about bringing these groups together in the studios that normally wouldn't gather um, is you might have somebody that says, Oh, I'm really interested in this project in, in Africa. Let's talk about water. Let's talk about climate and I want to invest in this, but my piece of it is that I want to make this particular building sustainable and work with your vision. Well, guess what? By the time that that project is done, if that is a component, then that student now can say, "I have built a climate-sensitive building that that will is 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 using things that are made out of materials that have not been bad for the earth." And so there are ways for people to get these credentials in a myriad of ways with what you're doing. And and so I think that's an important thing. And the second piece of this is because you're global and because anybody can be part of this platform that wants to learn, that wants to engage, that wants to bring their thoughts to bear is you have a diversity of thought and diversity in culture that creates new perspectives, which gets back to one of your core initiatives which is critical thinking, every organization, every person can benefit from critical thinking. And so I think that's something that all of your components equal sort of the sum of the parts is that and it's so it's so fantastic. And people are seeing people and learning about them in their cultures, which is so important for global connection. So I want to talk to you. One more thing is that when you came here, now you've been in the United States for a while, but you also came here at a young age with, you know, along with being an entrepreneur and a teacher and you, you came here from South Africa. And so I think that brings a new perspective to people. And also you, you know, you had sort of an interesting ride just upon the heels of you starting this. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. I think that being an outsider is a very sometimes a very valuable experience because you get to see the way things are done and you, you naturally have to question them because maybe you were raised doing things in a slightly different way. And so I found that, uh, yeah, being an immigrant coming to the United States it naturally made me question the way things were done around me, the way I was being taught, because it was very different to what I had grown up with. And so I think that did help me as a critical thinker I think also going back to school at a mature age, you know, I, I originally was educated in the nineties as an architect. And then at the age of forty nine, after I had actually had an accident, I, I, I fell off of a roof and I, I reevaluated what I was doing. And I decided that I no longer wanted to keep working in the way that I was working as an architect and as a builder, and that I wanted to get into academia and I knew the only way I could do it is go back to school. So I closed my business, I took a very big risk. And I went back to school at the age of 49 to learn architectural technology and also teaching pedagogy. And I went back to school with um, some very young students who, for them, these technologies and this way of thinking about technology was almost innate. So it was very challenging for me. But at the same time, I was able to see the environment, the academic institution, the way students were learning, the teaching pedagogy as an outsider, because it was very foreign to me. I was educated in a very different way. I was educated before the digital age, really, in the 90s, early 90s. We, we we really didn't do much on the computer. We did most things by hand. We were also encouraged to be critical thinkers. And I think that's the the most important thing that might be lacking today in architectural education and maybe education in general. It's become so reliant on technology and recipes. So, you know, a lot of schools will push A certain kind of a software a certain kind of aesthetic a certain recipe for the way that buildings should be built the way that buildings should look Uh, it's probably not just in the architecture world i'd say it's in, in a lot of different arenas and so i was a bit surprised by this because to me the most important thing that one can learn in architecture school is critical thinking to find your own voice as an artist your own voice in the world and to try to see your own work as an expression of your individuality you know You're becoming an architect because for you, the best way to express who you are is through built form. You know, you're not going to school to become a writer. You're not going to school to become a filmmaker. For you, it's about the built environment. And that's your vehicle for making your expression about who you are. And so I found that when I tried to focus my studios that way and say, hey, I'm not teaching any technology. You know, you can maybe your technology is uh, to draw by hand. I don't know. Maybe that's the best way to express what you want to do. Or you should use this software because maybe that's what you want to do. But I'm not going to teach you how to use the software. I'm not going to tell you how your project should look. And I want you to find your own voice. And, you know, as an architect, the journey of an architect is a long journey, it takes many years. People always told me you won't find your voice probably, or you won't become successful till your 50s. And maybe I took that to heart because maybe it's kind of true. I think I am now, only now at the age of 54, (laughs) starting to find the kind (laughs) of possible success that maybe I'd wanted. It's nothing like what I imagined. You know, I didn't think that I would be finding success in this way as a young person. But I think, again, my journey is very unique to me. And I think that, that everybody has a unique journey and they should see value in who they are and have an open mind about where their journey is going to take them and i find that this is a little frustrating as a, as a professor at least it is for me because many students find this to be terrifying they want to be told this is what everything needs to look like this is how you're going to do it you follow this recipe you're going to have this great result and a lot of schools are doing this because it's an easy way to prove that students have learned something it's a lot scarier for a school to say hey we're leaving it up to you guys to figure it out and hey. This stuff might not look very good after the end of the semester, but you're on your way. You know, when I went to school, if you were a first year student, your work looked like a first year student. It looked awkward. It looked incomplete. It looked like the students were struggling. To me, that's a good thing. But today, um, at least what I found is that schools want to promote the work. They want to promote, especially on Instagram. Instagram's a great vehicle for, stu- for schools to promote a kind of aesthetic that will attract other students to the school. So they want the work to look great, even if the content isn't necessarily there. Whereas I'm much more interested in the content than, than what looks good. And like I said, that as a teacher, it's very hard today because a lot of students have not been encouraged to be critical thinkers, not to take ownership of their own work. And this is what I I find to be a very positive aspect of our platform is that we are self-selecting for the types of students who understand this, or we encourage them to see their work as a life journey and expression of who they are, that they are artists, that they are valuable, that their traditions, their histories, their communities are incredibly valuable and that we want to reinforce that. We want them to have an impact in their community. We don't want them just to simply say, oh, I would like to be an architect, so I'll learn how to draft, I'll go to work in a firm, I'll work for somebody. We want them to think bigger than that. And so we want, by giving them access to world-class thinkers and people who are successful, who had access to this bigger cultural project that is architecture, we hope that we can, we can really see and, and be part of this type of change that's necessary, that everybody wants to see, but not everybody knows how to get there.
0: I think too, though, and and this is probably why Princeton invited you to come speak because you haven't talked about that yet, but I'm going to promote that for you. It's because of all of that. Now, listen, all of this is scary. And when things are scary or when you trip and fall and you have to pick yourself back up, if we don't fail, if we're we're spoon-fed everything, we're not very interesting. And so it's kind of like to be put in the sausage mill... And everybody is spat out and they look alike. Well, then there goes it doesn't even matter if it's architecture, if it's art, if it's it's just life. What makes people individuals are, is the fabric of what they've gone through and 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 where they end up. And I think that's precisely what institutions need. And so you're again, you're not breaking the mold. you're helping them re- reset it. And I think for pr- places like Princeton, um, that's why they want you to come in because they really want to learn. So talk about how they uh, invited you and what what that looks like.
1: It's it's really interesting for me because you know it would be it would have been hard for me to imagine just a few months ago that Princeton would have invited me to come deliver a lecture as part of their fall lecture series. You know, I can see why why they would, and it's it's, it's interesting also how I got invited. I reached out to several people at Princeton uh, about this project that I was working on for the video. So I got in touch with the Dean. I spoke to the admissions officer. They then put me in touch with, uh, with the person who runs their outreach program to a high school. They have a high school program in Trenton. So just by, simply by reaching out and it was through social media that I reached out and also by email. Um, it became clear that I was working on something that actually Princeton was interested in. I didn't, I had no idea about that previously. And, um, in our effort to, to recruit instructors, and we put out our, our, our mission you know, on social media, somebody from Princeton actually contacted me who was a researcher there, who was very interested in what we were doing and very frustrated at the same time about some of the things he was facing in the academic world. And I'd asked him, "Wow, well, would you like to be an instructor? And he said, uh, uh, I would, but I'm extremely busy right now and I'll get back to you. And I didn't really get back to him. He didn't get back to me, in fact, but a little did I know he was a big fan of what we're doing. He was following our progress quite closely, which he could do as a follower on Instagram and as an active Instagram user. And so he sent me a direct message on Instagram about a week or two ago saying, hey, Dan, keep your eyes open for an email from Princeton wink wink and i thought oh well that's strange what does that mean (laughs) and so a few days later lo and behold i got this wonderful invitation to come and speak at princeton so i wrote to him back and i said wow this is amazing how did this happen and he said well you know my girlfriend is the head of the lectures and publication department at princeton so what happened was here's somebody who became part of our network and his girlfriend by extension, was part of his network, and he said to her, he 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 pitched us to his girlfriend who runs the lecture uh, series, and she said and she liked the idea, and so she went to the dean and said, hey, we would like to get these guys, and also by coincidence, the theme for the lecture series in general aligned very much with what we're doing, and lo and behold, now we're getting to promote. Um, our foundation. And also I'm going to be promoting the Guinea project and some other projects at this lecture, which will be seen by a lot of people and also will be promoted by Princeton. Princeton will uh, promote it to all the other architecture schools as well. So it's a wonderful platform for us to promote what we're doing and also for me to promote some of our students and faculty. But again, it just shows the success of the network that we're building. And I think that that's also... A lesson I think you know many architects go to architecture school thinking well wow I'm gonna be the most talented architect in the world I'm gonna build all the most exciting buildings in the world and what they don't realize is that that's not how it works you know it's not because you're talented that you get to be successful yes you probably have to have talent but you have to have connections Uh, you have to have a strong message about what your work is about and it has to be authentic and for people to respond to what you're doing. And I think what I found for me is that I I definitely struggled to figure out the meaning in my own work. You know, I I had worked for a very famous architect when I was a young man and we did like very important buildings and it was very gratifying. But at the same time, I didn't really enjoy the environment and of being an architect and the lifestyle, the amount of time that it took, the, 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 the low pay, the many hours, the lack of time for my own family. And so I, I bailed out of that world at a pretty young age. I took a big risk and I went into my own uh, design and construction company. And so we weren't working on great buildings of architecture that were published in magazines, but nonetheless, I still felt as an architect, I could have a big impact in an arena where maybe architects with good educations or good backgrounds or visions of what architecture can be, maybe we're not operating, right? So, um, you know, in, 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 that, in that way, I found myself, In a very different place. And for me to then hyperspace myself back into the architecture world to have an impact took quite a leap of faith, you know, and and a lot of risk. I didn't anticipate any of these things. It's just these things are just basically the result of me being my authentic self. And when I realized that there was a way to operate in the world, which didn't involve promoting myself which allowed me to give up my own ego and to say, okay, I'm doing something completely because I believe it's the right thing to do and because I enjoy doing it and I'm not doing it for any money. There's really no money in any of this for me. I found that there were a lot of other people who felt that that was a compelling way to be in the world and wanted to be part of that project. And so it's been just incredibly gratifying to see the people that have reached out to me and to want to be part of this project. You know, In the early days, I was just asking friends to help but very quickly once this grew on social media people were coming to me and the quality of those people is really exceptional and some very famous people joined this project uh one would be denise scott brown who's one of the most influential female uh, architects uh, in the world and uh, a very well-known architect named Tosin from Nigeria, joined our project. And what we found is when we partnered with people who were well-known and well respected, and we partnered with organizations that this then brought other people, gave us credibility. And I was able to do this pretty much on my own, you know, for the first six months, it was just me, you know? So I was able to build this, this network simply by reaching out to people and saying, Hey, we want, would you be willing to talk to me? And then I would get on a zoom call with them, people I don't know. And they would say, Oh, we like your message you know what, we want to help, we want to be part of it. And this wouldn't have been able to happen, I think, even just a few years ago.
0: No, I agree. And and I look, that's how we connected. We connected through somebody that we love and share in common. And it's that gets back to this let's connect for good theory here. You know, there's no time like the present for people just to stop being afraid. Right? When you're most afraid is when you step off the cliff. And if it feels a little scary, that's probably good. But if in your heart you know it's what you need to do, we said this, if you fall on your face, you learn something new. It got your heart pounding. But sometimes innately when we feel it inside, it's the right decision. You just have to sort of pick yourself up, dutch yourself off, and say, this is what I'm going to do. And usually you get to where you need to be, that, the, the old compass thing. So I want to talk a little bit about sideways thinking and connecting you. Um, I do know that you're you're always open for anyone out there that um, is interested in this. Obviously, you can get to um, architecture is free, of course, via Instagram using your social media, and it is it is also a way for us to say, you know, Daniel is always looking for more teachers and students to get involved in this platform. This isn't, I'm only hand selecting uh, XYZ professor, XYZ student. This is an open forum, get involved, Uh, reach out, tell them what you think is interesting because there's no box here. The box is blasted open here. This is what we're doing. That's critical thinking, that's joining a community. We wanna hear what, what works, what doesn't work. And of course the other aspect that you didn't you didn't get a chance to talk about is that giving back in a way that you can give back so that the students mm. that are participating in this process if you don't have a dime to give back that's okay because you're participating in building something and we know that you'll try to help in some other way to help marginalized communities maybe with you know if it's 10 cents that's great but each and every participant has their choice um, of, of a nonprofit that they feel passionate about, that uh, Daniel proudly puts up on this platform. And so if you go to the platform, you can then click and, um, and, and the money can go to that from you or those students utilize that as a way for, for their um, generating revenue for something that's important for them, as do the professors. Am I covering that correctly, Daniel? Yeah, yeah, I
1: think when I first came up with this idea to start this platform, I realized that in order for students to be involved, um, I thought they needed to have something at stake, you know? So in the beginning I thought, well, maybe I'll ask them to prove that they gave something to a charity or maybe even give us a nominal amount of money. But then I realized quickly, like, that that just didn't work. Um, it didn't fit into the the... the the feeling of, of goodwill of what we're trying to do. So I decided, like, why don't I just suggest that, you know, if you benefit from our organization, we're doing it for free, that you just pay it forward. So we then um, promote a whole variety of other charities that support students, that support organizations around the world that our faculty are involved in. And then we just give students the op- the, the option. We say, hey, you know, it's this is a pay it forward type of thing. So we're doing this stuff for free. We're helping you out. If you feel that you have benefited, pay it forward in some way. If you don't have any money, you can't afford to pay for it. Forward, just do something for somebody, you know? So we're trying to just build this kind of pay it forward mentality, which I think people also find to be, um, positive because each time we do something, we're doing it for somebody else. So I do something to help a the right. student. Then that student does something to help somebody else. And that just builds uh, a lot of goodwill. It it builds a kind of a sensibility and a way of being in the world that people, that we find resonates with people. For me, it's just been amazing because all I've been doing is talking to people. That's all I do is is people reach out to me. I have Zoom calls with them. I talk to them all over the world. And I've learned a tremendous amount about what is important to people in the world. And so that becomes sort of your school of thought. They're telling me what's important to them. And I'm saying, okay, we're going to back you on this. We're going to do this kind of research because you're telling me it's something that you think is important, and so that creates a dialogue, that creates a discourse that's very authentic. It's not preconceived. I don't have a preconceived notion of what we need to be about. It's what people are asking us to be about that we're becoming about. In that, in that, in that way, it's it's been it's been very um, interesting. As I said, as I was kind of alluding to earlier, you know, when you kind of come up with an idea that works and that that people people want to help with all the doors just seem to fly open you know it's like when you're doing something that that's a little self promoting that's maybe tied to your own ego that's maybe not as authentic like there's so many obstacles and you're always struggling and i just found that it was remarkable how when i kind of let go of all of that and just kind of said hey we're going to just do this thing that's 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 a charitable thing that's that's giving back just how many doors opened and how easily those doors opened like for example i thought early on like oh it would be good to be to find a way to promote us how do we promote ourselves better right so somebody just randomly sent me quite a nice donation an architect and i thought well wow that was very nice of them so i sent them an email i said would like to talk to you started talking to that architect it turns out that she had a background in public relations and i said well hey would you like to help promote us and she said well i'm not really interested in that but i'll get back to you she contacted somebody that she knew who then contacted us and said, hey, we really love what you guys are doing. Um, we're a public relations company. We'd like to do it for you for free. We'd like to do it pro bono because we also <laughs> think it looks good for us to be part of a project like this. So all of a sudden, right. now I have a PR firm working for us for free. Then I realized also we had some legal obstacles. And I was like, well, <laughs> do we have to have some... We need to be careful what we're doing. Like, can somebody sue us? Like, what happens if somebody's inappropriate in a Zoom call? Like, what do we do? Like, I don't know about this. I was... Uh, before I know it, somebody had contacted me who works for a pro bono law firm. And they said, "They said, you know, if you talk to us and, and we think that you pass the bar, what we're looking for, we'll provide all those services for you pro bono. And we're like, this is great. And so um, all these things kind of add to our legitimacy um, uh, and, and make it uh, workable without a huge budget. You know, if you're a typical educational institution, you have a huge budget, which is uh, usually goes to administration of a school. And sadly today, the business plan of a school is, is really um, focused on paying for a lot of administrative uh, and brick and mortar uh, aspects of their institution. And the actual faculty are being paid, the people who are actually teaching are not being paid very much. So we find that it doesn't take much for me to run this organization. I've pretty much funded it myself with a few thousand dollars, like probably less than five thousand dollars. I've put have been put into this whole entire project. Um, you know, one of the things that we had to do was um, form ourselves as a corporation. And then apply to become a five hundred one C three charitable institute institution, and um, in the old days I would have had to go to lawyers and and I would have had to pay a lot of money. Today you can file these things either yourself online or you can file for a corporation for about two hundred dollars through a company that will do it for you online. It's pretty much like an almost like an automated process. So all these things I was able to do for very little money. I had to set up a website, so I had to get a subscription to uh, Squarespace. But then I was able to build it myself, right? Like many, some years ago, that would probably would have been hard. I would have probably had to hire somebody to do that. But now I realize that's quite easy. This technology is quite, quite easy. So it didn't take long for me to learn how to build my own website. Instagram is free. So we're actually most, our biggest platform for connecting with people and putting our content out there is Instagram. And one of the remarkable things about Instagram is is how businesses operate on Instagram. I think in the future, websites will kind of become dinosaurs and, and, and social media platforms will be the primary way in which businesses operate. And one of the reasons for that is just the amount of data that they're able to collect and the way they can target promotions. So what we do is when, when I have a content that I want to promote, I can do a promotion on Instagram where I can select 30,000 people to get in their story on Instagram exactly what I want them to get. And those people are pinpointed. Those are the people exactly who I want to contact. They're architects, they're architecture students, they're people who are affiliated with institutions that we've align ourselves with and i could do that for honestly i could probably reach a hundred thirty thousand people for about 80 bucks and i could run a promotion for a week and before you know it that's incredible i can get Mm -hmm. a studio going so for example one of the things that we can do which is very hard for an institution to do we can move very quickly very rapidly we don't have to get people's approval i can say hey i want to run a studio I'll make a graphic. I'll go on to Photoshop. I'll put a graphic together for the studio. Maybe I'll get one of my uh, instructors to say, okay, I'll join you in the studio. I can promote the studio idea on Instagram because we already have about 3,000 students that follow us uh, and say, hey, if you're interested in the studio, contact me. People are always on Instagram. They say, oh, this looks good and it's free. And you know what? This would be a good studio to take because it'll help me prepare for the studio I'm taking next semester or whatever it is. And before you know it, I've got... A handful of students who want to do a studio. And there you go. Global students. Yeah, and I'm running a studio. Global
0: students working together.
1: And these are students (laughs) who are coming from all over the world. And then what I've also found is that our instructors who are interested in certain research topics want to do lectures. They want feedback. So, of course, we'll we'll have an internal lecture to our own faculty they will give feedback. But then I'll promote that lecture. Um, for like again, for like a hundred bucks, I could promote it to people all over the world who might be interested in, say, the Skinny Project or um, the project of uh, documenting architecture across Sub-Saharan Africa, or, or for example, we did one recently where we highlighted an architect from South Africa um, and his work. Um, there's also a partnership that we're doing with a woman who is from Rwanda who started an Instagram group called African Female Architect because when she was In architecture school she realized she didn't know anything about any female african architects and no one was teaching or anything about them and she knew they must be out there so she just reached out and built a platform and now she goes about promoting female architects across africa and it's wonderful so we have her uh, presenting to us and we're going to promote her lecture to the general public too in the coming months so these are things that just sort of happen on our platform we're not it's not like i'm looking for them all I'm saying is it's hey, organic yeah all I'm saying is yeah. hey you know we're open come to us with your ideas and we're a resource and I think that ultimately this is the way that people need to go back to learning in this way to say hey I want to learn but for learning's sake that that's the beauty that's what a real school is it's not about promoting my friends it's not about setting up institutions that can perpetuate themselves just for the sake of making money for lining the pockets of people. No, it's just, it's learning for learning's sake. It's the most beautiful concept. And I think that people don't have to be pushed into it. I mean, people who who, no. who lack access to education in Africa, for example, they don't, nobody has to tell them like, hey, you need to go to school. Like they want to go to school. They want to learn. And when they find resources, especially ones that are accessible and free, they, they grab them.
0: Yeah. Well, it makes sense. And you know, you're doing all of this. And still, I mean, I, I mentioned to you on one of our calls, somebody that I thought in his organization that really does parallel what you're doing and they're forward thinking organization in the fine arts world. And they're providing access and opportunity, utilizing technology, other artists support, nonprofits and collaboration. You know, I have spoken with them because they're working in erecting a couple of buildings, virtual buildings. And I thought this might be a great opportunity for you to collaborate with this gentleman and and create a studio within that environment and showcase what your students are doing and see what what happens out of this marriage of the minds and you know critical thinking and creative thinking and let's not throw boundaries in so um i would love to have you all connect and what we like to do is we get these narratives started and now we have your narrative and we have jay from caldwell gallery hudson and his narrative and then what we do we do our little matchmaking and then we'll check in with you guys and see what your conversation was and what you might be doing and we're going to use that all powerful social media to have our members of this community which you are one um to to say what they think and ask some questions which is why this is created bringing people together who are doing good, who are paying it forward, as you say, that see a need within their community and are answering it. And this community is all about that. It's, it's, it's forward thinking it's feed forward. And certainly the pillars of what you are doing, um, are exactly what we look for here.
1: Thank you, Alicia. Um, and I really do appreciate, um, the connection that 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 um, you're anticipating uh, between myself and Jay, Jay. with the uh, virtual gallery, um, because one of the things that's that's uh, that's so powerful about virtually connecting is doesn't matter where you are. We don't even we don't even mention where our faculty live because it's kind of irrelevant. Whether you live in Rwanda or Paris, it's kind of irrelevant today.
0: Yes, it is. We would love for anyone out there that would like to engage and let us know how we're doing, how you like our content, things where we might do better, a little feed forward. This is me stepping off the balcony, as I've said, something new for me to do that I'm passionate about, just like Daniel. So come visit us at letsconnectforgood.com. And i all of the information about Daniel and Architecture is Free Foundation will be found there. And we're just going to have fun, Daniel, right? Uh, having conversations back and forth and seeing what happens. And we look forward to engaging with you. And thank you, everyone, for being part of this community. Let's engage soon and let's connect for good.